Something is different for Ohio State this offseason. What is it or what are those things and what has caused them? This is the Podcast Daily. It's Tuesday. That's Bill Landis and I am Austin Ward. And Ryan Day last week had a couple of different questions, Bill. One, it didn't come from me, but it used a word that I've used a lot, which is urgency. And he said, there's always urgency in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And if you don't believe it, just try losing a game. And he's been saying that for six years. I believe that he believes that. But yeah. something is definitely different at Ohio State, whether they want to identify exactly how they've changed the mentality, if it's money, if it's the or if it's the pressure of year six for Ryan Day. I don't know, but for me, this is the most different that it's felt in a while. Yeah, I I, I think you'd be naive to say that it's not at least somewhat, somewhat different. I, I agree with Ryan Day in the sense that there's always a sense of urgency here and, and a heightened sense of urgency, I think, compared to a lot of places because the, the stakes are so high. So every offseason kind of feels like the most important offseason, quote-unquote, um, for that particular head coach, if not not just Ryan Day, um, or, or the program um, in, in a given year. But I also I don't think I would say that as a way to like dismiss what does feel a little different ab about this offseason. But I've I've – struggled a little bit with maybe what the motivation for it is and and Doug and I have talked about this on on Kings a little bit and I I think I would push back on just sort of the blanket statement that like Ohio State is in desperation mode because it's lost to Michigan um the last 3 years like like clearly that's impacting them um but I don't I don't know if that has necessarily like pushed Ohio State to the point where it's kind of doing things outside of itself I I, th I think that there there's a heightened sense of urgency because of that for sure like you don't I mean you don't want to lose one game in this rivalry let alone three in a row or four in a row but I also think it's just kind of coincided with them figuring some stuff out and and that has I, I think made it all kind of feel like the same thing and, and I'm not necessarily sure that it is um it's a good thing, I think, that they figured those things out. But, but I don't. I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't do what I feel is like a mischaracterization and say like their backs are against the wall and now they're doing things they necessarily don't want to do. I think they've been on like a little bit of a journey the last couple of years, like figuring out how to go about their business, like when it comes to roster building and what exactly the right balance is, and obviously NIL is a part of that, and then staff alignment and the allocation of money for that staff like what what all is ohio state like comfortable with and what's that pool look like and obviously it changes when the big 10 payout changes like the number goes up so um i think i think all of it as you mentioned is is part of where i, I don't know i guess we're we're a little more aggressive with things this off season but i don't i don't think it's um like a, a a change that is specific to this time and place. I think this is kind of how Ohio State wants to do business moving forward, sort of regardless of what's happening around it. Yeah, I don't know that it's totally a Michigan conversation, but that's a piece of it because you can't. If that's what you, if that's the way you evaluate a, this program, that they want to win the game, win the Big Ten, and then a national championship, and those are the three, and two of them are directly tied to each other. Having that happen three years in a row is going to be a little bit more of an impetus for change. Mm -hmm. But your point is also valid. Like they're not that isn't the only program that Ohio State is measuring itself against anymore. And if Georgia has become 
in some ways the actual gold standard for roster management ahead of Alabama. And maybe there's a, an argument to be made. I'm not sure how compelling it would be for, or how much I would listen to it. Cause I, I do think that Georgia's got had the NIL stuff figured out the uh, administrative support figured out the recruiting uh, background and, and fertile areas. Like all of that was pointing towards Georgia, maybe supplanting Alabama. And that could, that could be the case for several years to go. So if that's the other fight that Ohio State is waging, then it was probably going to have to make some of those NIL adjustments that you alluded to as well. So you have that battle, which is a financial one. You have the staff alignment, which in, is also a financial one. Um, I know that this came up like a week and a half ago. I was like, if Bill O'Brien leaves, is it going to be Chip Kelly? And initially I was reticent to say well they'll definitely do that ohio state because i'm used to the 10 years ago five years ago not going to pay seven figures for a salary let alone one and a half million to buy out a head coach from ucla so that part you know nil support for this group of current players nfl draft eligible players who decided to stick around all those things are you may have needed several years to understand that and the other part you have to factor in is like there are no repercussions <laughs> if you push the boundary. And that's also always been the other part that's hanging over Ohio State's head dating back to 2011 was like, we can't be the ones to push the envelope. Somebody else has to do that. And then once they figure out where the line is, then they'll step up to that. But I don't I don't think that they have the fear of that anymore either. It seems that they have, have less of a fear of it. And, and I don't know if that is the change in leadership at the top or, or if that's just coincidental timing, I I'm inclined to believe that, that, that at least has something to do with it. Um, I've always liked sort of the, the speed limit analogy with that. Like, you know, the speed limits 55 for a lot of people that are comfortable doing 80 and a 55 and maybe Ohio state was more like, Oh, we'll, we'll go 10 over. Like we'll, we'll, we'll do 65. We'll keep up with the, floor we're not traffic. tennis. We're not Tennessee. Yeah, here. We're not Tennessee. We're not, we're not flooring it in the fast lane and blowing by everybody in a way that attracts undue attention to us. Um, but maybe they're, they're a little comfortable pushing it up more, like, you know, toward, toward a 70 now, like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll lose track of what I'm doing and look down like, Oh, I'm doing 70 and a 55. And it's like, Oh, it's, it's getting me where I need to go faster and no one's saying anything about it. So I guess I might as well keep doing it. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of think that's where they are. I, I don't know. I don't know that Ohio state will ever be like the leading aggressor really and really in anything that sort of like skirts what is permissible and not frankly because it doesn't have to right it's it, the, the brand is, is strong enough that it doesn't need to go to those lengths i think to have uh you know a good roster or a competitive salary pool whatever whatever area we're talking about here but but i also I, I would assume anyway they feel like they were behind and we've had those conversations with plenty of people before um, it used to be they were behind in, in staff and they kind of caught up to that. And even that's a bit of a moving target now. And maybe they need to be a little more aggressive. And it seems like they, they are. I'm, I'm very interested interested to see what this um, coaching salary pool looks like this year because it's going to be pretty high, I think. Certainly the highest Ohio State's ever had. Um, but it's happening with the, with the one with the NIL stuff, clearly. I think like they, that feels like aligned and um, has more direction, I think, than it's had in past years. And then I, I think the roster management piece of that too is, is something that's been um, pushed a little further down that road where you're not Ohio state was never really doing the Dabo Swinney thing where they were, you know, averse to taking transfers, but there have been times where it's felt like maybe they, they 
erred on that side a little too much. And, and it's not like they're going out there and getting 2025 20, guys, as Ryan Day said when we talked to him last week. And, and I think somewhere between probably five and 10 is, is more often than not where Ohio State's going to land. But, you know, they're, they're closer to the 10, or I guess they're kind of right in the middle with seven. Um, but it's also the caliber of player, right? It's like they're they're making splashes with with the names they're getting, even if it's not a large number. And I, I don't even know if they would have been willing to do that the past years because that that attracts attention in a way that gets people talking about you, sort of outside of Columbus, and you know, in misguided terms, right? I, I don't the thirteen million dollar stuff or Ohio State is loading up via the portal, like none of that's really true. Um, but it create when you have the names that are coming in, it creates that perception. And I, it seems like Ohio State maybe is a little less weary of that than it had been in previous years. I used to, I don't, I don't know if rationalize, justify, we've heard many times and people would ask us questions and, and say, why doesn't Ohio state throw its weight around? This came up a lot in 2020 with like, if they want to play football, <clears throat> they should be dictating that to the big 10 and Kevin Warren. And, and it's, that's not the only time that it's come up. There's something seems like every single year where it's like, Ohio State should, if they want something, they should be asking for it or demanding it. And I used to think I, I would agree with that to a point. But it, because Ohio State was always so willing to fall in line, it it did often feel like they were pulling their punches. And and to some extent, I would say, well, it's they're not really unwilling to do that. And they're not fighting with one hand behind their back. But a lot of the moves they would make was like, well, one finger is getting tied behind the back, and then the next year it's a second finger that's tied behind. And now they looked at this time, and maybe it was the third loss or whatever, but they they realized suddenly the whole right hand is behind their back. Yeah. Like, how did it get there, and why? We don't need to do it that way. We're Ohio State. And I, <clears throat> I, I don't think I can point to just one of these things, but it was like a collective realization that this part of the program – was not maximized. This part of the program was not maximized. This part of the program. It's like the administration had to make a decision about what they wanted the program to be. Ryan Day had to make a decision about the staff and what he wanted it to be. The players had to make a, de a decision about, are they okay with their legacy and this amount of money and jumping to the NFL? Like All parts of the program, I think, have had to make a conscious decision about what they want the Scarlet and Gray to stand for. And they all mm -hmm. seem to make the same one at the same time, which is good. But it's like, sometimes I feel like, I, how do they get to this spot in the first place? <laughs> I think it's difficult. Um, and probably only so for Ohio State and, I don't know, like two or three other programs around the country, maybe. And, and there's some other ones rising, like Oregon, I think, is one to watch. Maybe that becomes a more prominent program here over, over the next couple of years, um, where you have to look out for number one, but there also is, I, I think like a responsibility to the future of the sport to like, make sure you're, you're kind of doing what's right by everybody, or at least right by whatever X number of programs that are kind of all striving for the same goal as you like. And clearly that not, not everyone in FBS and frankly, not everyone in the group of five is striving for the same things as Ohio state, but it's, a, it's still a pretty large chunk of teams that I, I think at least consider themselves capable of trying to play for national championships, especially in, in an expanded playoff world. So like Ohio state, I think has to carry the banner in some regard for, for those kind of schools. So I, I get wanting to play ball when it comes to like shaping the rules and regulations of the sport and the guardrails and all, all that stuff. But like when it comes like on 
to the on the field stuff and like making yourself as competitive as possible against the other teams that you're trying to to beat. I think Ohio State has also like operated the same way, and I'm always like, why? <laughs> why would you, why would you do that? Why would you sell yourself short? To your point, and I and I do think they've kind of come around to that idea. It's like, listen, we're we're invested in the future of college football. We're also invested in the Buckeyes winning national championships, and probably more <laughs> invested in the latter, selfishly, which is fine. That's the way it should be. So when it comes to like the the roster management, the NIL, the staffing, like yeah, they're going to push the envelope a little bit because that that's what matters to them most. And I think it's hard to kind of live in both worlds. And Ohio State has struggled with that. Um, it's the thing that I think Doug has said it a million times, like Alabama and football and Stanford and everything else. Um, but I, I kind of feel like they're figuring that part out, which is maybe why this offseason feels a little bit different. Yeah. I, so I thought about it throughout the weekend. We took a couple of days to like, you know, enjoy the Super Bowl. Had talked about Chip Kelly on Friday. He's like, I wanted to write, and I've written a lot about the offseason already, but like, and I wrote about Ryan Day on Wednesday, and I don't think this is even just a Ryan Day topic. It's, again, like I said earlier, not just about losing to Michigan topic. It's about, we, we have this conversation with basketball. Like, what does Ohio State want to accomplish? Well, we know what they want to accomplish in football. They don't think that they should ever lose a game and that they should be winning national championships in the Big Ten Championship should be contending for national championships every year and winning Big Ten championships more years than not. Well, so how do you actually go about doing that? When you write it down on paper, and I did this with this, you know, the, the column that I wrote at Ohio State.rivals on Tuesday. So it doesn't look like that much. It, seven players overall in the transfer portal, you know, a, a nice collection of NFL draft eligible players that that is coming back. And then they're replaced three spots on the coaching staff that's not like a sweeping amount of no. alterations to the program <laughs> and so i'm like how different is it really like is ryan day right like the urgency is the actual same like they're making moves and every offseason there's going to be some adjustments but when you compare it to the lack of moves and the like especially with the coaching staff from the last couple years it's like Yes, they brought in Jim Knowles. Yes, they had made other moves that were, you know, they had to bring in Matt Barnes and Kerry Gomes before that when Jeff Halfley left and Greg Madison retired. It's not as if Ryan Day has kept the exact same coaching staff for all six years, but by and large, those were moves that were forced upon them. And so that's when it connected to me that it's like it feels for the first time with Ohio State in the last half dozen years, or even more, including the last couple of years under Urban Meyer, that it has become a proactive program and not yeah. reactive. And that's always, I think, been the criticism from some element of the Ohio State fan base. Like, why can't Ohio State be first to do these things? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to put it. And you said a word earlier too, like maximize. Where I I, I don't know, I don't know that that was always the motivation, really, like for for or at least the chief motivation for much of, of what Ryan Day did. Like for all the talk that we've had in the last year plus about Ohio State needing to make a change at special teams coordinator, it's not like they were the worst team in the country at special teams, right? They were just like they weren't very good and they should have been better given that they had a full-time assistant to it. So then you ask yourself like, well, then are you maximizing that slot on your assistant coaching staff? And we all thought that answer was no. Ryan Day was, I guess, a little slower to realize that, but now I think has has realized that. So we made a change to maximize that position. Same thing with the quarterback coaching. It's like, oh, 
Ohio State hasn't had much of an issue with quarterback play. I know last year wasn't as good as it was years prior to that. But again, was it the worst in the country? Not even close. It was still, even last year, top 25 probably to quarterback play in the, in the country. Um, but were you maximizing it? And I think the answer to that question was no. So Ryan Day made a change there. Um, the thing that I guess makes it feel like a little something more is Ryan Day like coming to the realization and that's probably the wrong way to put it. Like finally making the decision, I guess that he's going to like take more of a CEO hands-off approach with the offense and, and take a more holistic look at the program and kind of dabble on all three phases, try to get more in tune with the roster, do all the stuff that a head coach has to do now. Um, but he had even, he had been heading in that direction for at least a year, more, more than that. Um, so even that doesn't feel like terribly out of, out of the ordinary, but, but I think the idea of, okay being good enough um is like kind of out the window now um and everything i would hope anyway from here moving forward is about maximizing a program who has a you know as high of a ceiling as anybody in college football and higher than 99 percent of the sport making sure that everything is maximized to its fullest potential every single year and if you're assessing parts of the program in the offseason and you feel like they're not then you attack it and you make it better and that's what this offseason has felt like and I guess I would think I would agree with the idea that maybe it hasn't always felt like that over the last couple of years. And I can, I can almost understand why, because if Ohio state is operating at 90% efficiency to its potential, it's going to be everybody on its schedule, except for maybe one or two teams. Yeah. You're, and you're it going could, 11 and one. Yeah. Yeah. And it could, <laughs> could still win those other games because yep. it nearly beat Georgia when it probably wasn't quite there defensively uh, the way that it wanted to be, at least not compared to last year. And it nearly beat Michigan in the big house last year when the offense probably wasn't quite there and the special teams definitely weren't. Yep. So that's, I think gotta be the delicate balancing balancing act and why I can see like maybe why there weren't dramatic sweeping moves in the previous off seasons, because you like, you run the risk. Oh, we're already at 90%. We're already in the mix for a, a college football playoff national championship. Near, you know, Michigan was doing this, that, and, and the other with Connor Stallions. Like, that wasn't Ohio State's fault. You know, I think they could easily look, easily look at that and be like, well, if we have to make five different moves and two of them don't work, are we going to be below 90% again? Like, is that going right. to damage this already safe? foundation that has been established for ohio state but there's fatigue for that because if if the exact same thing happened at 90 percent and you lost two games again next year there probably would not i can't say probably there may not be a year seven for ryan day so i do think that that ultimately comes back into it that like, okay 90 percent was good but there has to be some element of of gambling or aggression or urgency, whatever the right word is, which I don't know because I've used several different ones over the last two months. Sometimes they fit, sometimes they don't. But that you have to find out a way to get to 100 because settling, quote unquote, for 90 is probably not going to keep you in that job permanently. Yeah, and I wonder, so Ryan Day kind of talked in these terms last week, right? He said, oh, I used to, we're looking for that. He said 1% or 2% which would imply that Ohio state has been closer to, to 98 or 99% rather than 90. I, I don't, I don't, it's semantics, I suppose. And it's all made up math anyway, but I, <laughs> I, I would probably, I would probably be closer to like 90 uh, than I would be like 99 or 98. Um, but I think the idea is the same, right? Like it's not, 
it's not the end of the world. We don't know what we're doing. This program is in shambles, but, but it goes back to what I said, like, is, are, are we as good as we possibly can be? Um, and, and perhaps getting there or, or, you know, you think that the, the steps to get you there might involve a gamble or two. Um, I don't, I don't really know that I look at anything this off season as a gamble. They all seem like pretty solid maneuvers to me. I guess we'll see what happens with this 10th assistant coach spot. Um, but everything up until this point has felt like a, like a pretty solid, um, plan um but even that like even if they didn't even if even if some things felt like uh boy that's a little little bit of a moonshot i i don't i don't think i would um argue against it because i think sometimes you got to have to take swings like that when you are looking to get to that full 100 percent. yeah and i don't think any of the coordinating moves qualify as much of a gamble chip kelly seems pretty yeah. obvious macarary uh may not move the needle as the most exciting hire of the offseason but he's certainly someone who made a lot of sense for that corresponding move there the the I, i'm thinking like in his mind the gamble for ryan day was like he's always prized chem, chemistry and continuity on that coaching yeah. staff like making these moves risked i don't know can you can you go out there and make the right moves make the right hires and get those right like the first step was probably the hardest for him and we've talked about that before with like taking that self-evaluation and then actually acting on it and yeah, I I don't I don't know that I can see one move this off season that I would be like. He needs to do this, and he's not done that. Like, he's he's done all of those things. Now we again, there's still one spot left, so I guess we'll reserve the right to change our mind on that if he hires a full time special teams coordinator who can't do anything else to this for the staff. But it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's put a lot of foot, feet wrong this off season. And he, again, he also said it's February, so check back in August to see how that stuff is working. Yeah, I, I guess like to play devil's advocate for a moment, maybe you could say that they could have more aggressively addressed offensive line. Um, but they brought in one transfer, and and I at the moment anyway, I, I'm I'm okay with kind of letting your young players develop and see how that shakes out. Now we'll see if that comes back to bite, though. I, I suppose, but the, but but aside from that, really, I, I don't I don't know what you would look at this off season and think. Man, Ohio State didn't do that aggressively enough, or uh, you know that that plan felt a little misguided. It does; it all does feel kind of rock solid to me, which is an odd comfort <laughs> in January, or February. Yeah, great. Now, what are we going to argue about? <laughs> They're removing all those things that we were able to pick at. So um, that's we'll think of like, something. Yeah, no, that that could be a lot more fun to to approach it from that perspective, at least. It was today on the podcast daily for Tuesday with Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward, breaking down again Ohio State's offseason. I promise we're about to get into some spring position previews, and the Buckeyes will be out there, I believe, on was it March 5th? It's that Tuesday, the first one of the month. That uh, is March 5th, yes. March 5th. So we are inside a month until the start of spring ball and the and some real football talk again uh, on the podcast daily. We're definitely looking forward to that. Be back with again with another episode uh, tomorrow. A little hump day action on the podcast daily. Until then, for Bill, I'm Austin. We'll see you later.